0: I would like to read a passage of scripture today that's very familiar to, I think, probably all of us in Mark chapter 4. And in Mark uh, chapter 4, at the end of the chapter, we read about, uh, starting in verse 35, uh, an incident in the ministry of Jesus Christ that during these past months has had real meaning and truth in what we have been facing In Ukraine, and I think we'll bless your hearts as well today. Mark chapter 34, or Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? As I read this passage, the first thing that blesses my heart is that I see that Jesus Christ knows exactly where he's leading us, even when that way is full of adversity. I have no doubt that when Jesus told his disciples to get in the boat and to go to the other side, he knew what was going to happen. I, I don't think, I don't think you think, that Jesus was surprised by the storm that came that night. I don't think Jesus said, oh, no, what have I done? I, I, if I would have known there would be a storm, I would have never told my disciples to get into the boat. No, jesus Jesus knew what he was doing. And yet he told his disciples to get in the boat and go to the other side, knowing that their way was going to be full of adversity, knowing that it was going to mean suffering and, and difficulty. He still told them to get in the boat and go to the other side. Sometimes Christians are under the impression that if we're going to serve the Lord, he'll make sure that we avoid all those storms. Well, that's not the truth. He, he doesn't promise us health, wealth and prosperity, does he? He promises to be with us in the storm. He promises to be by our side and to lead us, and we can have the confidence that everything we face has come through his divine permission. What a joy to know that Christ knows exactly where he's leading us, even when that way is full of adversities. In Isaiah 43, we read, When you pass through the waters... I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord, your God. And you know, for years, I remember um, in our village, Ministry in Balki, uh, the village that we minister in Ukraine, thinking, God, why are we still here? Why do you still have us here in this village? You know, um, our children are growing up. When we came 18 years ago to Ukraine, to the place where my wife was raised and, and began to do ministry, um, that was wonderful and, and the Lord did some great things. But over the years, I began to think God, isn't it time to kind of switch gears? Our children are starting to grow up and move on, and they're going to America and studying and working. And, um, you know, we had a quiet little ministry in our village Uh, we worked with children in our village and we had a little church and we would travel around all the time to the churches in our region and minister and we have a great relationship with people there but you know I wasn't always seeing the the fruit and the results that I was praying for and hoping for it was discouraging at times I knew we were planting seeds I knew that and sometimes we would see little victories here and there but I just wondered God why are we still here? You know, people in Lakeside and, and other uh, churches are, are pouring money and, and support into our family. And, you know, maybe that could go somewhere else. Maybe there's, there's somewhere that it can be more effective because, really, why are we still here? And I remember uh, coming to our little church in, in, in Balky there and often pacing the floor and just saying, God, show me when we should leave. Give me a sign I clearly remember how you led us to Ukraine, but I want to hear and I want to see that you're leading us away from Ukraine as well. And God just seemed to be silent and never seemed to really give that clear peace and, and, and guidance that we were to leave Ukraine. And I wondered at times, I remember even sitting and having breakfast with, with Peter and, and sharing, I, I just, I'm sometimes confused. I don't know why we're still there at times, at moments. And you know, When this war started and God still had us there, still hadn't given guidance, as Aksada shared, to leave, I remember. Some moments during those initial almost two months where we were surrounded by the Russians, and we were seeing every day their their tanks and their uh, armored personnel carri- uh, carriers and their uh, the soldiers and the, those vehicles with the z that dreaded z on them w- going down our streets and, and I remember um, realizing that we were in this place that was uh, desperate. Uh, people didn't have food, and, and, and there were needs around us, and we were meeting with the believers and encouraging them, and I began to see the Lord doing things in people's lives and opening up opportunities, like Oksana was sharing, to serve, and suddenly th- the thought occurred to me, Lord, could it be that you led us in these ways that we didn't understand for now years, maybe even for this moment, I remember standing on the steps of our little church uh, one day. We were getting ready to hand out some humanitarian aid, and I remember opening my Bible, and there's a crowd of people gathered around. And I remember reading Scripture and praying with them and seeing their, their hungry, desperate faces as they listened to the word of God on the steps of our church. And I thought, I can't, even a month ago, I wouldn't have dreamed that people in my village would be here and wanting encouragement and wanting me to pray with them. I remember go, going to the village council and the mayor of our village and, and the other uh, leaders of our villages. We were bringing, uh, uh, bringing food products and, and they were so grateful. They were crying, literally crying with gratitude. And I remember uh, saying, listen, we're going to be having a, a lot of uh, interaction and contact over the next weeks because we're going to keep doing this. Can, can I pray with you this morning? And I remember the... the mayor of our village and the other village elders saying, please pray. Please pray with us, Pastor Scott and Aksan and our children and I. We bowed with them. And I remember after praying, opening my eyes and seeing the tears streaming down their cheeks, seeing their open hearts. And every day that we would gather with them, we would pray in the village headquarters there. And I, th- I remember thinking, I never dreamed that God would open a door like this, an opportunity like this. We always had a good relationship with our village elders, but, but that God would allow these kind of opportunities and seeds to be planted to share the light of Jesus Christ. You know, I just I remember meeting with Christians and and encouraging them during those dark hours and them saying, "Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you're here during this time. We we need you to be with us right now during this time." I remember thinking, "God, maybe maybe this is why all those times that I didn't understand you were leading us in that way. I remember a, a family that Oksana had been praying for. I had been praying for, too. We'd had them over to our home many times and been reaching out to them like many others. I remember them coming to our whole house and saying, you know, all those things you said about what it means to be right with God, to repent, to get saved. We don't want to go another day without being right with God. And they knelt on the floor of our living room, and Oxon and I knelt with them, and we prayed for them to receive salvation. They repented. They asked Christ to come into their hearts, into their family. I remember thinking at that moment, God, is, it, is this Why? All those years we wondered, why are we still here? What's going on? Why are you leading us? Why are you silent, God? Maybe, maybe it's because God was saying, just be patient. You may not understand why I let you into the storm. And I don't warn you ahead of time. And I don't guide you in the way you want to be led. But I understand. And friends, I just want to say to you today, whatever you're going through, please believe me. If you are a child of God, you can have the assurance and the confidence that Christ knows where he's leading you, even when that way is full of adversity and, and you don't understand and you don't see and you don't, don't really understand right now. He knows your way. And, and then the, the, the other thing I see as we read these verses today, did, did you notice that when the storm came, and the adversity came, and it seemed like everything was dark and, and difficult. Christ was with them in that boat. And I want to say today, suffering and difficulty in the lives of Christians, in your life and in my life, does not mean that God has forsaken you. does not mean that, that he's forsaken you, that he's left you even though it may seem like that sometimes. And it also automatically doesn't mean that God's punishing you. He's mad at you. You know, sometimes we are like Job's friends, aren't we? We, we see somebody suffering and we automatically think, wow, what have they done wrong? <laughs> or what have I done wrong? You know, it doesn't automatically mean that. I do believe that God is a loving Heavenly Father, chastens us and disciplines us, but but don't automatically think when you encounter suffering and difficulty that you must have been really bad and God's mad at you. No, God wasn't mad at his disciples today, was he? He led them into this adversity, and he had a purpose, a reason. And so... You know, when we face suffering and adversity, even Ukraine right now, I have to remind the Christians in Ukraine, you know, sometimes they, believe me, when you're in, in the city of Zaporozhye that we're in, and, and like last night, uh, uh, the night before last, there were 16 cruise missile strikes by Russia on our city. And, you know, when our friends are telling us, and, and when we're there with them, and there's air raid sirens, and there's explosions around, it's easy to think that, you know, maybe God is mad at us. And that's why this is happening. And sometimes, uh, sometimes that's the, they, they share, Pastor Scott, you know, you think that's why this is happening, because we're so bad here, and God just had to punish Ukraine, and I say, I don't know wh- why God is allowing things that he allows. I'm not going to pretend to know everything about God's will, but I do know that, that it's not up to us to make those judgments right away, and to say, you know what, Uh, Ukraine must be really bad. You know, maybe God looked at all the nations of the earth, and he said, you know, America's doing great. They're still fine. Russia, Russia's okay, too. I'd say that Russia's, Uh, Europe, Europe's still in pretty good shape. Uh, I think that they're, oh, but you know what, it's time for me to bring my fist down on that Ukraine. Those people are so bad in Ukraine. It's, I kind of have a hard time believing that, um, you know, I actually think maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the devil is the one here that's fighting. In recent years, we've seen Ukraine. I mean, the public school in our region—they invited us to. They, they invite us on every holiday to come, and they say, "Would you teach our children about the true meaning of Christmas?" Would you, uh, Scott, Oksana, your kids come and play uh, Easter songs and tell us, tell the kids in our public school what what um, Easter is really, what it means, what it's all about? In the public schools, our village elders, when we have uh, vacation Bible schools, they let us use their. Ter- they're so excited that we're working with the children in our village and, folks, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe the Lord sees what's been happening in Ukraine. Uh, maybe uh, the devil sees what's been happening in Ukraine and says, I don't like what the Lord's doing there in Ukraine, and and I'm going to spread, I'm going to scatter the the church and people, and I'm going to cause chaos there. Again, I don't know. I don't pretend to know everything about God's will. But I do know we have to be careful in making those judgments and saying, oh, you know, God's punishing. Because right now I see that these disciples were facing adversity and trials and difficulties, and it wasn't because God was mad at them. Or God had forsaken them. And I want you to know too when you're facing difficulty, don't think that God has forsaken you, that He's left you. It's not true. That's a lie. God has not forsaken you. He loves you and He wants to be with you in that storm. He wants to be by your side. And that's what we reminded people of as we were uh, during those dark hours. We were reminding them uh, God loves you. Right now, as we're in Zaporozhia, there are literally Tens of thousands of refugees who are coming out of Russian-occupied territory, and they have left everything. They've lost their homes, and they've lost their um, their work, and, and they are coming to Zaporozhye. That's like the. It's only thirty miles away from Russian-controlled territory, and so it's the front-line city where we're living. And these refugees come in the church. Of uh, the churches of of Zaporozhia have risen up, and we're working with them. They are doing such a wonderful job. Pray for the Christians and the churches. in in Ukraine, because they are rising up, and they are uh, helping these refugees. They are ministering to people, and it's beautiful to see, and they invite me, and Aksan, and our children to come and minister as well, and we visit these churches, and there's one church right down the road from us that is doing such an incredible work. They're all doing a great job, but this church, every single day, they have a church service for the refugees, and they give out humanitarian aid, but before that, they gather them in in, in there, and, and a lot of times, I preach to them, and I stand before them, and I say, folks, I'm an American, and I know it's kind of strange that we're still here, but I understand what you're going through because we had to leave our home too. I had to watch my wife in a couple of hours try to pack 18 years of, of our life into a couple bags so that we could fit it into a little sedan and try to drive out out of Russian territory. I watched her as, as with tears, she, she had to leave behind children, photo albums and little, our children's drawings from when they were little and things like that to just take the bare essentials so that we could get out of there. We had to leave our friends, our church. Our, we had to do, I understand and I'm here to tell you. And I look at them and, and they're crying. These people, they're refugees. And I say, I'm here to tell you there's someone else who understands and has not forsaken you. There's a good shepherd who loves each and every one of you. And and you can see these refugees, you can see their hearts opening to the Lord because they realize that just because we're going through suffering or difficulty doesn't mean that God has left us. And I can remind them, we can remind them as a family team that God has not forsaken them. I also see here that in our difficulties, it is sometimes easy to think that God doesn't care about what we're experiencing, because in verse 38, we see uh, that he was asleep on a pillow in the stern, and and the disciples awoke him and and said, "'Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing?' Doesn't it seem sometimes like God doesn't care when, when we're facing difficulties?' If you're facing physical difficulties today or financial difficulties or maybe family conflict, whatever it is, whatever storm you're facing today, I'm sure it is easy at times for you to think, you know, it seems like God doesn't care. Because I've been praying about this, and I'm not seeing the answers that I'm wanting to see. It seems like Jesus is asleep. But just because it seems like that God doesn't care, that's not the case. That's not the case. And we read in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, not only did Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, did he bear our sins. Thank God that he bore our transgressions and our sins. Thank God that Christ, when he he suffered and died, he did it for our salvation, to wash our sinful hearts with the blood of his son so that we could have eternal life. Thank God for forgiveness of sins and salvation. But folks, that's not everything because it also says in Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4, he bore not only our sins, our transgressions, but what else? Our griefs, our sorrows. He bore our sicknesses. He understands. And he's not indifferent to what you're facing today. He's not indifferent to to what we're going through in Ukraine right now. And we are so glad to spread that message to people who are experiencing darkness and war and suffering. And I'm so blessed to see Christians who are responding in Ukraine the right way. We have friends. We have, uh, in fact, just a couple weeks before I was, in fact, Just one week before the war started, it was a Thursday evening, I was in the village of Kamenskoye. And I was leading a seminar there, and I was teaching. It was a a Journey Through Israel seminar, and I was showing pictures. And one of the men there, Leonid, he was so excited, one of the older men there. He had always wanted to go to Israel, and I was showing him the pictures of Israel and Jerusalem there. And I remember him coming up to me afterward and asking me questions, and he was so excited about that. And I left my projector screen there. I said, next week, Thursday evening, we're going to continue where we left off. And I never dreamed that I I wouldn't be able to go back there. That next week, the war started. Almost immediately, Kamenskoye came under heavy, heavy artillery fire, and one of those shells landed on Leonid's house. He died. His wife was wounded. And the pastor of the church, Yaakov, a dear friend of mine, his wife, Lena, they also, he was hurt. And, you know... I've often thought about Leonid. i often thought about how excited he was to see, to see Jerusalem. And I thought, you know what? He's there now. He's in the new Jerusalem. He was so excited. And you know, I, I watched as his daughter and his son-in-law responded to that. And I saw how they, they didn't lose their faith. Because they believed they knew that just because, just because we encounter dis- discouraging and suffering and, 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 and moments like that, it doesn't mean <clears throat> it doesn't mean that God is indifferent, that he doesn't care. And they know that. And Lena lost her father, and Yaakov lost his father-in-law, and, and yet I saw their smiles of joy as they said he was ready. He loved the Lord, and he's rejoicing. We're going to join him soon. You know, folks, people don't lose their faith because they they encounter those difficulties when they know that it doesn't mean that he's indifferent, just because it seems sometimes like he's asleep. He's there. He led us, and he knows what he's doing we have to have that faith and that trust in him. I also see here in, in, in verse 39, we read that Jesus, when, he, when the disciples said, Why don't you care? Don't you see we're perishing? Jesus stood up, and with just a word, he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm Oh, how I have prayed, how Oksana has prayed, how we have wanted and asked God to say that word and to bring peace and calm in in Ukraine. Please continue to pray. We're, We're believing God. He can do a miracle. And we ask you to continue to pray. But I am so glad to know that our God is mighty and powerful, and he can do that. And we saw God do miracles. We saw how with his hand of power, he could stop the evil intentions of the enemy. When we left um, Balki, our village, Alexei was at the wheel, this pastor, and I was sitting next to him, and Oksana, and uh, Delina, and Damar, and Daniel were all packed in the back seat with all our bags, and, and I had prepared them. We prayed, and I prepared them. I said, now, they're pro- kids, they're probably going to separate us. The Russians are going to separate us. They're going to ask you, what are your mom and dad really doing here in Ukraine? Are they spies? Are they?' You know." And I, we tried to get them ready for everything because we, we knew we were going to have to pass a lot of checkpoints. And as we approached the first checkpoint, I said, let's, let's take turns praying. Before every checkpoint, we're going to pray, and we're going to believe that God is mighty, and he's powerful, and he's able to help us. And as we approached that first checkpoint, and those Russian soldiers are standing there with their Kalashnikovs, and we, we pulled up, and Daniel was praying, our son Daniel. And he asked God to protect us and help us. And, and you know what God did? He sent this spirit of confusion on the, on the enemy. They didn't know what to do. They, when they saw our documents, they, they couldn't believe it. They just stared, and then the Russian soldier calls his buddy to him, and he, he points at it, and they look at us, and they look at the documents, and they start whispering and talking, and then he finally walks up to the window and says, You're Americans? <laughs> he didn't know what to do. I said, Yeah. And, and he said, What are you doing here? Why are you here? And we, I explained, we live here. We've lived here for 18 years. We're, I'm a pastor. This is my family. This is... But they began to whisper. They were bewildered. They had no clue what to do. They'd never encountered this before. And so they began to f- try to figure out what to do. You know, finally, they just said, go to the next checkpoint. They'll tell you what to do. <laughs> so... You know, and before that checkpoint, okay, whose turn is it? Damar, it's your turn to pray. Let's pray. And we began, We prayed before every checkpoint and asked the Lord to show his power and his protection over our family. We knew people were praying here. We knew God was hearing. And, you know, even Alexei, Pastor Alexei, as we began to move through these checkpoints, we began to just laugh and smile. We we said as we'd go out of one, we'd see God's help. We'd say, this is a miracle. We're seeing God do a miracle. We'd go from one to the next, and there were' some tricky moments. I mean they, uh, they would always call me out of the car and want to talk and, and figure out why we were here, what we were doing. They'd call on their radios and try to figure out what to do with us, and, and inevitably they'd finally kind of say, "Well, go to the next checkpoint and, and they'll, we'll radio ahead and let them know and um you know. We saw God's hand at work. They, there were some 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 moments when you know at one point one car pulled pulled us uh, over. Uh, from the last checkpoint, and, and it was a, a, a two other officers that had heard about us, and they said, "Are you the Americans? Wait right here. We're we're gonna um, we're, we we need to escort you to safety, but we're not gonna do it through Ukraine. We're gonna escort you through Russia. We're gonna. It'll be safer for you to if we take you into custody uh, and and you'll be in Russian Russian territory. You'll be it'll be much safer for you." Uh, we said, "No, we're not. Uh, we don't we don't want to do that. Thank you anyway. We appreciate the offer, but no, we're no." No, you got to wait here. I've called the special services. They should be here soon. He's he's calling on his radio, the other guy. And so we were waiting there, and a few minutes later, uh, he opens his window again. He says, Just wait a few more minutes. We're we're still trying to get a hold of them and everything. And finally, after a long time, he said, Listen, uh, I'm getting calls. I have to go right now. You have to wait here before this checkpoint, uh, and special services should be here uh, to deal with you in a few minutes, uh, okay? Uh, I said, Well, what, what, he said, if they're not here in like 20 minutes, then you just go, go on. I said, well, what about the guy with the machine gun over there aimed at us? I mean, is, is he going to just let us go? He said, I'll tell him that you're allowed to go if, if nobody shows up in 20 minutes. Okay, so, so we waited 20 minutes, and nobody showed up, and we kind of we just went, and, and we were able to go through. They, they never, You know, they, the enemy was trying to do things. He was trying to, but God wasn't allowing it to happen. And uh, at one point, you know, they were asking us all these questions at another checkpoint and trying to figure out what was going on with us. And they were grilling me and just saying, well, so why are you here? What? You know, it, it, the one guy was impressed that I spoke Russian. He's like, wow, you speak good Russian. And he li- he liked that I spoke Russian. And I said, well, you know. Um, and, and so we were talking with them, and I said, listen, we, um, we're just a family, a missionary family. We've lived here in the village, and, and finally they kind of were going to— they gave up our documents back, and there was probably four or five soldiers there, and they just looked at each other shrugging, and they saying, saying, well, I, you'll go on to the next checkpoint, and uh, they'll, they'll deal with you there. They kept, you know, sending us on, and, um, and uh, the only— they never asked Oksana or the kids to get out of the car. They never uh, t- confiscated anything that we had. We had computers and all. They could have taken any. It's a war. They're, we saw them strip-searching people in front of us. They never did it to us. They never, they just, they never. The only time Oksana ever got out of the car was because she herself got out of the car. Uh, those guys, those four guys, they were, they were letting us go. And Oksana o- suddenly opened the door and, and said, uh, can I get something from the, um, from the, uh, the trunk? And they, they kind of didn't know what to do. They, they looked at her, and, oh, I guess. And so she goes over there, and she opens it up, and they're, they're wondering what she—and I'm thinking, what is she doing? And she got out gospel tracts, and she said, I want you all to read these gospel tracts. And, and the guys took them, and they're like, oh, okay, thank you. And, and as we pulled away, they, they were reading the, the, the gospel tracts. And, and uh, I said, uh, that was nice, Oxana. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> Um, but that was the only time that, um, that, sh- that, we, that they ever got out of the car. They never forced the kids or Oksana to get out of the car or anything. We just went from one checkpoint to the next, and it took—it usually takes an hour to get to Zaporozhye. It took seven hours because we had to go through all these checkpoints and because and, and there was shooting and firing in one area, and so we had to go around that area. But in the end, we, we came out to Ukrainian territory, the first checkpoint, these Ukrainian soldiers. We were rejoicing. We saw the Ukrainian flag, and we're on Ukrainian territory, and we pull up at these Ukrainian— Where are you coming from? And they looked at our documents, and they said, where did you come from with these? And we told them from there, and we explained. They said, there's no way. They would have never let you out with these documents. We said, they did. They began to laugh. They said, how did that happen? What, what did you do? What did you say to them? We said, we have a great God who heard our prayers. We know you were praying. Folks, I want to say, you know, Jesus is still able to say a word Peace, be still. And, and it doesn't matter who it is, what it is in your life or in our lives. He is able to intervene and do something mighty and wonderful and powerful. We can have faith and confidence. We have seen God answer prayer, your prayers. We're so grateful. Um, the last thing I just want to mention is we read in verse 40. He said to them, after that great calm came over the storm, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And the thing I want to just remind us of today, and myself as well, that fear is a sign that we need to have more faith in God. When we begin to panic and have fear and anxiety, that's usually a sign that we need to have more faith in God. Jesus said, how is it that you're so fearful? And then he's tied that to their lack of faith. You know, Like the disciples, we often only see the wind and the rain and the waves and the storm. That's all we see. And we forget to look higher to where Jesus is sovereignly standing above all of that and is in control. We look at that and we forget to see him in our storms. And fear and panic, it's so easy to make our choices based on fear and panic. So the embassy contacts us and says, there's going to be a war. You've got to get out of there. Oh, no. Okay, we'll get out of there. Instead of saying, God, where are you at in all this? I know what the embassy is saying. I know, I know what people are saying. I know what the world says. I know what my fear and my emotions and, and my feelings say. But God, what are you saying? We, as Christians, are to be led by the Spirit of God. We are to pray. We're to seek Him. I encourage you, friends, don't make decisions in your life without praying, without fasting, without seeking God's will. Don't think, well, this is what every other, this is what Christians do. This is what other people do. So I, that's just what I'm going to do. We need to, to seek God's will. Because there are ways that seem right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. My ways are not your ways, God says. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is trying to teach us as Christians, he's trying to teach our family that we need to live not based on feelings and emotions and, and act in panic, but we need to act in faith and trust him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Whatever it is in your life today that's making you want to panic and worry, but, but you don't know my children. I'm worried about my ch- you don't know my, this health issue, this, this thing in my family or my, my work, you can't imagine what's going on at school right now. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you don't don't act based on panic and fear and anxiety bring that to the Lord he cares we used to sing this old hymn in church oh yes he cares I know he cares his heart is touched with my grief when the days are weary the long nights dreary I know my Savior cares he does care and we can bring him those needs and we can bring those things to him because he does care and, and we don't need to act in fear You know, people are like, why are you going back to Ukraine in a week? Why are you going back to Zaporozhia? There's a war going on there. Well, I'll tell you something, because we know how God is leading. We know that right now, as we have sought God and and, and asked him for his will, this is how he's leading at this moment. That could change soon. We don't know. But right now, this is how God's leading. And we're not going to act based on what makes sense to our human minds. We're going to act based on how the Lord is leading us as we prayed and fasted and sought his will. Because we don't want to act and live based on our feelings. We want to act based on faith. Jesus said, how is it that you're so fearful and do not have faith? And so God wants each of us today, wherever we're at, whatever storms we're facing, to face it with, with faith and trust. That he knows what he's doing. I'll never forget. Maybe I shared with you at some some point how uh, you know this this sim- war has been simmering for years, for eight years now in Donbas. Uh, after the Russian uh, Russians took over Crimea, they began to f- support the the separatists and send uh, officers to train and fight with the separatists in the Donbas region of Eastern Ukraine. And I've been going with the chaplains for many years, and and sometimes we'd be on the front lines. And I remember going to Mariupol one time. Mariupol Mariupol is now just demolished and destroyed, but it was a beautiful city. And I spent a lot of time there and in the churches there. But I remember going with chaplains there one time, and there's a little village called Shirokina right outside Mariupol. And I remember going there one night to bring supplies to the soldiers, and we prayed with them as chaplains and ministered to them. And and in order to get out that night, there was heavy artillery shelling from the Russians. And this was several years ago. But um, I remember. Driving out of there that night, we couldn't even turn our headlights on because uh, the artillery, would spotters, would see that, and so we had to get out of there. And there was explosions around us. It was it was a very uh, it was a very stressful evening. And we got we got to the outside of Shirokina to uh, Vadenoya, which is the village there where the Ukrainians had their headquarters. And I remember uh, the officer Alexander Nikolaevich, that I was bunking with that night. Um, he uh, he said, "You can put your your um, sleeping bag there on those boxes, and, and we could hear the artillery in the distance, and it was kind of a, kind of a heavy atmosphere, and Alexander Nikolaevich and I were talking, and I was spreading my and I said, what's in these boxes? And he, he laughed, and he opened them up, uh, picked up my sleeping bag, and they were full of grenades, and I said, you're, you're putting me on a bed of grenades? He said, Scott, it's actually good. He said, if one of those shells falls on us tonight, you won't worry about a thing. I mean, you'll you won't know what hit you, and you won't be an invalid the rest of your life. You'll just disappear in a cloud. I mean, it, it's probably best this way. I said, oh, that, that's comforting. And I remember laying there that night in the darkness and hearing the, the artillery shelling and just thinking, Lord, you know, I preach to people about how we can trust God and we can have faith in God, and you're, you're wanting to teach me those lessons, you know? And, and I remember that the thought came to me that night you know, someone said once that until God's done with you, you're invincible, right? You're in his hand. If you're in his will, in his hand. And I remember thinking, Lord, if you're not done with me, then I have nothing to fear. And if you are done with me, I have nothing to fear. And so I have nothing to fear. And I remember closing my, and you know, I slept better that night on that bed of grenades than maybe I've ever slept in my life. And I woke up and had a good breakfast the next morning. You know, folks, I just want to say, God is trying to teach all of us, whether we're there in that kind of scenario or whether we're right here facing whatever you're facing in Akron, Ohio, God's trying to teach us as Christians to have faith, to walk by faith and not by sight, to trust in him. And so, in closing, let me just say, you've been patient today, thank you. Let me just say this. How can you pray for us? How can you pray for Ukraine? just pray that god will do a miracle and bring peace pray that god will stop this madness this evil because god is able and you know as long as god is still allowing this to happen in his permissive will pray that god would bring good as a result of the evil that russia is intending That these refugees that because of this crisis are hearing the gospel would open their hearts. That the Christians would grow and be strong spiritually. That God would even use the evil of this war in the meantime to do good in the hearts and lives of people. Pray that God would put his blessing and protection over the nation of Ukraine. Because Russia is trying desperately to annihilate Ukraine. And folks, I want to tell you, they're succeeding. You may not see it in the news as much, but every single day, Ukrainian lives are being lost. Every single day, um, there are attacks, and there are buildings destroyed, and there are schools destroyed. And, and, you know, the news has just gotten tired of showing the same thing day after day, so they're kind of quiet about it now. They've kind of, you know, you see it once in a while. Don't think that that means things are getting better. They're, they are just as bad as they were in the very beginning. Things are still very dark in Ukraine right now, and so please don't stop praying. Keep Ukraine before you in your prayers. Pray for our family and the other Christians that are there trying to minister and reach out, that God would put his church under his covering and his protection, and that God would bring good out of evil. We are so grateful for your prayers. And as I look into your faces now, I just want you to even take back to others that you know who are praying for Ukraine. Our personal thanks, the personal thanks of Christians in Ukraine who told me when our family came here, tell the church in America, thank you for not stopping praying for us. And I just want to pass that message along to you and thank you Thank you for praying for our family, for supporting us, loving us. We are so grateful, and I know Reach Sunday is next week, and, you know, uh, we didn't expect to make this trip to America right now. Uh, We, this was kind of unexpected, it was a quick trip, but um, we uh, are very grateful for your sacrifice, for what you are doing to help us to make this trip and yet still be able to have the funds to continue to help in our Ministry to the refugees and to people as we are continuing to serve in Ukraine. Uh, We're very, very grateful for the way you're standing by us and helping us in that. And God's answering so many prayers. Maybe you uh, are aware our van was still at our home. We were not able to leave with our van because the documents, the the Russians would have just confiscated it if we tried to leave with our van. And yet we really. could use our van for ministry and for our family, and we had to leave it in Russian-occupied territory. And this week, the the son of a pastor that we know, Sergei, was able to get our van out of Russian-controlled territory and bring it to Zaporozhye. and he sent a picture that it's waiting for you in Zaporozhia, your home. You know, God just continues to do miracles and answer prayer, and we, we want you to know that the things you read about in the Bible, the miracles that God does for his children, they're still true today. His promises are still true. So, Pastor Peter, I'll i will give it over to you at this time, but I just want to thank each of you, uh, and, and as a church, thank you for your kindness to us and for...